Welcome, and thanks for listening to this message from City Bridge Community Church. Our heart at City Bridge is to call all people to be fully devoted followers of Christ. To learn more about City Bridge and how you can take your next faithful step with Jesus, check us out online at citybridgechurch.org. Now, here's the message. So the reason why I love worship, right, is to stand in awe, not like everybody together, awe, but awe, stand in awe of God and to be present with him. Now, okay, so one of the things that we're gonna talk about and get clear about is just what area of worship we're gonna talk about today. Because once you start talking about worship, man, there's all kinds of things one to talk about. And then there are a lot of nuances when it's involved when you're talking about worship. So today, we're gonna, for this setting, we're gonna specifically talk about the worship service, like what happens here like on a Sunday morning or in, in, uh, in Kid World on a Sunday morning or students or Regen on a Tuesday night, something like that. And when we meet together as the body of Christ, there are several things that, that happen that kind of qualify or they're pillars of what we do when we come together in worship. Um, and we're gonna kind of define this a little bit before we dive into the awe of God. The first thing, there are three things that when we come together like this, we remember and affirm the truth of God. In Psalm 105, verses four and five, says, seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his face continually. Remember his wonders, which he has done, his marvels and the judgments uttered by his mouth. So we remember and affirm the truth of God. We then magnify God, all right? In Psalm 69, 30, says, I will praise the name of God with song and magnify him with thanksgiving. Then the third thing we do is we kind of model like what, what it means to be fully devoted to God. So on Sundays uh, or in a gathering like this, uh, we meet together, we practice like spiritual disciplines, prayer, teaching of God's word, worship, communion, giving, all these kinds of things. And they help prepare and model for us like what it looks like from Monday to Saturday to experience the fullness of life in Christ. Uh, Romans 12.1 is a great passage to give us clarity on that. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, by the mercies of God, to offer yourselves as a living sacrifice. This is your uh, holy and uh, spiritual acceptable sacrifice of worship. It's your service of worship. So if we're doing anything else, we're probably not worshiping, and if we're doing some of these things for somebody else, well, then it's probably not biblical worship, right? I'm telling you, I've been in a lot of worship services, and many of them, uh, unfortunately, can sometimes be very passive and, and somewhat powerless. And I'm telling you, man, I'm, I'm, here, I'm here for the real deal. <laughs> One of the reasons why I am so passionate and why I run hard on Sunday mornings is because I believe that the worship gathering What happens in times like this is one of the most exciting places to be, right? Why is that? Because in a moment, God can change everything. You believe that? In a moment, God can change our lives. And I can tell you personally, he has changed mine. And he has used the worship service uh, as one of his primary means of shaping me and and shaping me into being uh, in the fullness of likeness of Christ. Um, There have been so many times where in a worship service, um, I was comforted uh, when I was grieving a loss, um, or he's even brought truth to me when the enemy was confounding me with lies. 
There are times when I didn't know what to do, I didn't know where to go, and the Lord brought clarity and understanding and direction in my life. He has provided for us in so many ways, and these gatherings here have been a huge tool of the Lord to be a blessing in my life, and uh, I want that for us. I think God wants that for us too, and, uh, and I think in large part, that's why after every week, we encourage one another with this phrase, have a great week of worship, right? Because we believe that what happens in here during this time has a huge impact on what happens out there. And what happens out there has a huge impact on what happens in here. There's a direct relationship between how God uses these times and how God uses our times with him on a daily basis and how they influence one another. So that's what we're gonna talk about today. So I have a question for you. When was the last time that you've ever been in awe? Obviously, you just, we had the puppy thing, so that's the last time we were just in awe. But when was the last time, you, has anybody in the room like ever uh, met a, a president of the United States or like a political figure or like a, a movie star, actor, actress, or maybe your, your favorite uh, musician or anything like that? Anybody by array, an array of hands? How many of you? Okay, good. I've not really met any, any famous people, and so I, I've not really had that experience of being in awe of someone like that, but I did meet Chuck E. Cheese when I was a kid. And so, uh, so kids, how many of you, like, you're huge fans of, of Chuck E. Cheese? How many would say that in the room? Right, okay. And, and why is that? Why Chuck E. Cheese? I mean, you've got the pizza, obviously. Uh, you have all of the games. You have, um, you know, you're winning all of these amazing tickets that are so exorbitantly overpriced that by the time you're finished, you have a bracelet that's, that you just paid 50 bucks for. And I mean, Chuck E. Cheese is amazing. So when I was growing up, it was actually Showbiz Pizza. Does anybody remember Showbiz Pizza? I think we have, I think we have an image of Showbiz Pizza. Yes. You remember that? And those images, ladies and gentlemen, were meant to be encouraging and comforting to children <laughs> at some point in time. And, and they still are today. They somewhat, no. Uh, but so it was first Showbiz Pizza and the animatronics. You remember, you remember the, all that kind of stuff? That was cool. And so also found an image uh, of Chuck E. Cheese. This is Chuck E. Cheese. Yes, this is great. Um, this is actually, I think, from like 1986. Um, if you're, that's not me. I just found that picture on the internet. So, um, but that is exactly what Chuck E. Cheese was, like way back in the day. So I begged my parents, oh, mom, dad, please, can I go to Chuck E. Cheese? Can we go to Chuck E. Cheese? And so we got the Chuck E. Cheese, we're sitting in the booth, and I see him. He's, you know, like the mascot thing, right? And I see him, he's over there across the way, and he's walking over to my table, and I'm like, I mean, the anticipation is just, you can cut it, like that. And I'm like, oh my gosh, here he comes. And Chucky walks up to my table, and I'm little, and, and I look up at him, and I'm just like, I mean, I completely freaked out. I completely freaked out. And I dove underneath the table and ate my, my pizza on the floor. I was in awe of Chuck E. Cheese, but not necessarily in the way that I, uh, I, I thought it should be, right? Well, in some way, that's like a similar thing. Of, well, maybe that's, maybe that's awe. Maybe it's not awe. But how we're gonna talk about it today is we're gonna take that word, awe, and use the three letters, A-W-E, to kind of dive into what the awe of God, to stand in awe of God looks like. So the first letter, A, is obviously awe. We stand in awe of who God is. 
The second letter, wonder. We stand in wonder of what God has done. And then third, expectation. We stand with expectation of what God can do, right? So one, stand in awe of who God is. Two, stand in wonder of what he has done. And then three, because of that, we can stand with expectation of what God can do. So one of the passages that's been really helpful for me to kind of understand the idea of awe is Isaiah chapter six. So once you grab your Bibles or your phone, uh, iPad, and once you look that passage up real quick, and we're gonna read through it, and then just kind of talk about a few things, a few observations um, that have been super helpful for me. Isaiah six, uh, in the year of King Uzziah's death, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, lofted and exalted with the train of his robe filling the temple. And seraphim stood above him, each having six wings. With two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called out to another and said, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the thresholds trembled at the voice of him who called out while the temple was filling with smoke. Then I said, this is Isaiah, woe is me for I am ruined because I'm a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. And I want us to key on that last verse there. My eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Now, you might be saying to yourself, well, David, I mean, I've never had an experience like that. I mean, have you, have you guys, you know, with the wings and the eyes and the coal and the touching your lips and things like that? I, well, I've never had an experience like that. I mean, that's pretty remarkable. Um, but there have been times in moments of worship where I was personally aware of the presence of the Lord. I've been in moments of worship where there was a kind of a family sense, a corporate sense that the Lord was near to us in a very uh, mysterious way. In some sense, I think this is kind of what happened to Isaiah in, the, in the, his vision. When he saw the Lord, I mean really saw the Lord, everything changed. When he saw the Lord, it was super clear, super quick, who was who, in the relationship, right? Immediately, he saw the holiness of God. He experienced the purity of God. And he then looked at himself and thought, oh, I'm undone, I'm ruined. I, I am broken, I'm a sinner, I know it. And then he looked around around him and, he's, and he thought to himself, we all are. See, there was clarity in the relationship that he had with God and there was humility. And I, I think in a lot of ways, that's, kind of where awe takes us, right? Ultimately, I think awe kind of results in a posture of humility where we understand really and truly, man, this is who God is and this is who I am and we, we're altogether different, right? So I, when I was a teenager, I also had another experience of awe and uh, it, it relates to uh, a Christian artist named Stephen Curtis Chapman. Does anybody know Stephen Curtis Chapman? Seven All right, very good. Yes. Oh, my goodness. Oh, yeah, a little finger snap. That's what I'm talking about. The Great Adventure. Such, such a good thrill. Okay, that's, that's probably good. Yeah, that's probably good. So I had a friend um, who went to a Stephen Curtis Chapman concert 
Um, and he got backstage passes. And I was so jealous of him. And you have to understand, I am a huge Stephen Curtis Chapman fan. He, he's been a hero to me. He's just one of the best ever to, to do it. And I mean, even to the extent that when I was growing up, I sang a lot in church. And, uh, and when you sang solos in church, it was during the special music, you know? Um, it was, I'm from, I grew up in a Southern Baptist church, small Southern Baptist church. And so during the offering or the offertory, you would sing, sing a, a solo. And, uh, and, and, you know, on that day, we had uh, cassette tapes. Anybody cassette tapes? Okay. Little plastic things with wheels on them and things like that. Okay. And in the case, there was an insert with the lyrics. And you would pull out the, in oh, yeah, there we go. Yes, there we go. So I would pull out my lyrics, and I would, man, just sweet little, little David singing the special music. And um, so I loved Stephen Curtis Chapman. So my buddy Tommy goes to this concert, and he calls me. I don't know. I don't know what's happening. He calls me and says, ring, ring. Hey, Gentiles, this is Tommy. I got somebody uh, I, I want to talk. They wants to talk to you. And I was like, okay, sure. What's up with that? So up on the phone, Stephen Curtis Chapman says, hey, David, this is Stephen Curtis Chapman. How's it going, brother? And I'm like, um, I, yeah, right, whatever, Tommy. This is a joke. I mean, like, because this is like, you know, Taylor Swift of Christian music at that time, <laughs> you know. So... I, I, I'm like, oh, this is, this is a joke, Tommy, you know, whatever. And he's, he says, no, really, like, this is Stephen Curtis Chapman, and your friend Tommy uh, told me that you were a singer and that you sing in church, and um, what am I, I guess I should just put my hand up. But anyway. He said, I'm a singer, uh, and, uh, and I'm really just happy for you to be in ministry, and um, way to go, man. And so I'm on the phone, and I'm like, <gasps> it's like one of those moments where you're talking in your head, but nothing's actually coming out of your mouth, you know? And so I'm just sitting there in silence, and the next thing I hear is, okay, brother, well, we'll talk to you later, click, you know? <laughs> I mean, I was speechless. I didn't know what to do when I realized it was actually him and that he would actually give the time to acknowledge my existence. <laughs> you know, I was blown away. I was blown away even in such an extent that I, I didn't know what to say because it was Stephen Curtis Chapman. But what do you think about like that in the context of our God, right? How much more? Like how much more to our God who spoke the world into existence, breathed the soul of man into our lungs, gave us life, then we rebelled against him and deserved a just penalty of death and eternal separation, and yet he would build a bridge of atonement through the sacrifice of his one and only son. Are you serious? Wow. Like, awe. This is what God has done. This is who God is, and it does something inside of me. I have a, uh, an author that I love. He, talk, he uh, writes a lot about worship. His name is A.W. Tozer. And he talks about the response of believers who understand this. And he said, these believers worship gladly because they have a high view of God. Isn't that so true? There's a relationship between the, our view of God and our response of worship. Both here in a service like this, a corporate time, and then also when we're living our lives out on a daily basis, right? So we stand in awe of God for who he is. But then we also, we take another step and we stand in wonder of God for what he has done. 
uh, a passage that has helped me just kind of uh, understand this idea of wonder, being in wonder of God, is uh, Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. So let's go there real quick, and I'd love to read this passage and share a few thoughts there. Um, as you're getting there, if you can remember, this is the moment where the church was born. Um, and uh, Peter uh, basically preached his first uh, Billy Graham crusade, and uh, 3,000 people were saved. And uh, this is where the church uh, began. And it said they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe, and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. And all those who had believed were together. They had all things in common. And they began selling their property and possessions, and they were sharing them all as anyone might have a need. And day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart. They were praising God. They had favor with all of the people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. Now, what's really interesting about uh, this passage that I've heard many, many times um, and I've read many, many times, but for some reason, there was a little phrase in verse 43 that stood out to me this time. And it was that they, were, they kept feeling a sense of awe, right? This passage, this moment in the church came directly after the big moment of 3,000 people getting saved, the gospels being preached. Man, it was this massive gathering, this great harvest of, of folks being saved. And then the account of this story is actually when the day-to-day -day began, right? And the scripture says that after the event was over, they continued to keep feeling a sense of awe. Why? Well, because God was working wonders in their midst. God was changing lives in their midst. And when I think about wonder, this is one of the passages I go to because it reminds me that only God can really do life change. Only God can perform signs and wonders that affirm his power, his character, who he is, and who he is in our lives on a daily basis. And the early followers of Christ, those brothers and sisters, they were encountering the wonders of God, life change in such a way that it changed how they lived together. They actually ate more meals together, which I have no problem with that. I love eating food, y'all, it's good. They, they shared meals together. They sold their stuff so they could be of help and encouragement to one another. And it actually says that because of the attitude they had towards one another, they actually had favor with people around them, right? The love that they had for one another actually was quite evangelistic in their time. And so what I love about this passage is that it shows me that I can cultivate a heart of wonder as I begin to think about and meditate on the wonders of God and what he has done and what he is doing in my life. And let's just be super clear, like life change is miraculous. It is supernatural. I mean, life doesn't change without the wonder working, miraculous power of God changing me, amen? So we'll have a little crowd participation here. How many of you would say, and, and, uh, and I'm gonna ask you to stand in this. If God has changed your life, I would ask you to please stand to your feet. 
God has changed your life. Please stand to your feet. That's amazing. That's amazing. Okay, second task, cooperative participation. Look around. Look at the wonders that God has done. Look at the miracles of life change in this room. And I know, I see some smiles on faces because I know that some of you are looking around and you're, you're seeing a friend or somebody that you know and you know their story and it's putting a smile on their face because you know what God did in their life, right? God is not just going to work wonders. What does this room say to us? He is working wonders and he has worked wonders, amen? Amen, amen, let's have a seat, let's have a seat. Very good. So, and this is what has happened to me as I've like been working through this. I've been thinking about, okay, so the more that I stand in awe of God, to think about who he is, and that does something to me. It helps me to understand with great clarity who he is and who I am, and then I recount the wonders of God Something is happening inside of me where I begin to have a little bit more of a heart of expectation and anticipation that what God has done in the past, he could do in the future. Now, by that, I'm not saying that we're defining for God what he is gonna do and what he won't do. I mean, that's his prerogative, right? He is God. But what I am saying is that because of his character and his activity in our lives, we know that God is able and is still changing lives. I mean, the heart of expectation affirms to the Lord, especially in this context, that he is a wonder-working God and that he is proving himself true. So our third point, we stand with expectation of what God can do. He has promised that if we call on the name of the Lord, we'll be saved. He has promised that in his presence, there is fullness of joy. And if he has promised, why wouldn't we expect such amazing and wonderful things from the Lord? If in a moment, through the presentation of the gospel and the truth of Jesus Christ, a person can be set free, which they will be, why wouldn't we expect and anticipate that God would save and set free in our times together and throughout the week? This is why I love the worship gathering, the worship of the saints. This is why I love being with you. This is why I love services and worship songs and, our, and, it, our, and getting to meet new friends and worship leaders and building relationships with them because I know that when we meet together, the Lord is going to do something amazing and powerful. And when we gather together in a place like this, we get to practice the awe of God together. We practice it, we model it, and then as we go from Monday to Saturday, we're able to put those practices um, and live them out in such a way that we experience the fullness of life more. That's been my story, and I'm sure it has been for many of you. And when I, and when I consider, when I think about um, like the character of God, uh, his holiness, how consistent he is. He is perfect in, in every way. And then I compare and contrast my own character. And uh, I certainly have a weakness in areas of my life. I have inconsistency. 
um, there is a, uh, there's a huge difference, right? About how about you? And I am undone, just like Isaiah, because God loves me. Not because of the consistency of my character, but because of the perfection of Jesus. That's why God has been able to love and save you, because of the perfect work of Jesus and his character. And when I consider what God has done to communicate to this world that he is a real, living, and loving God, and I compare and contrast that with myself, and again, my inconsistencies, I'm, I'm overwhelmed that God would love me, that God would use me. So then what is my response to a great God who is awesome, who is perfect, who is working, who is changing lives, and who changes and is changing my life. Um, as I was looking through uh, just passages of scripture about awe and wonder, um, there was a passage that came up, and um, it's uh, Psalm 40, verse five. And this verse just kind of leveled me. Um, it says, many, O Lord, my God, are the wonders which you have done and your thoughts toward us. There is none to compare with you. If I would declare and speak them, they would be too numerous to count. Too numerous to count. Just like in this room, if we were to sit and every person were to come on stage and like, or even just at your seat, like just share, like this is what God's done in my life, we wouldn't really have the time, would we? Because God's limitless, life-changing power is happening in our lives in such a way that we see life change and story after story. It's too numerous to count. And so after reading that passage, um, I thought, well, maybe I should spend some time numbering the wonders of God. And so I wrote a little list down and I thought um, I, thought I would share those with you. And of course I have, I have pictures, so I love pictures. But um, so the first one, this, I was about seven or eight years old. This is in, uh, in Shreveport, Louisiana. I'm uh, doing these a little out of order, so yes, that's me. That's definitely an all moment there, I think. That is me, actually. And uh, this is Ingleside Baptist Church in Shreveport, Louisiana. And uh, this is when I got saved. So I actually responded to the gospel and walked the, uh, that very aisle and uh, accepted Christ. It's pretty cool. I've, we've, I found that picture this week, actually. God's good. Um, and so I began to recount the wonders of God. I also thought about my mom and dad. Uh, this past weekend, they uh, had a garage sale and they basically emptied the house. It was, uh, it was amazing. They sold everything. And you know why? Because they're spending the next two or three years as missionaries uh, overseas. And uh, they're at retiring age and they're just starting their missionary career. I stand in awe of that. I stand in awe of that, that God would provide that to have happen. I also think about my wife, Emily. She's sitting right there. She's amazing. And uh, that God would provide her and my life. Um, if you knew a lot of my story, um, man, she is a wonder first. And then that God would bring us together um, is also a wonder. Um, I also think about our family and what God has done in our lives. And I think about these two and um, how just God brought us together. It was a miracle that God brought us together. And uh, they're just, again, I could sit here and just list after list after list 
all of the ways that God has worked in my life, changed my life. I mean, uh, another, another quick story is I was um, I transferred to Dallas Baptist University in my early 20s, and I transferred in with a 1.7 GPA. Thank you very much. Now, thank you. I appreciate that. That's very kind. It's a sympathy applause. I get it. But, but do you know why? Because I failed out of pre- three previous universities. I did. I really did. I was, I was a mess. I was a mess. And God plucked me out of where I was and gave me a fourth chance <laughs> of being a college student and to having a new trajectory in my life. Y'all, God is good. And when I think about what God has done, something, that's right, yes, amen. When I think about what God has done in my life and what God's done in your lives, something happens in me. And I I have to do something, you know? When I realize that God has loved me in such a gracious way, um, I have to sing. I I wanna meet together with you. I wanna worship with you. And again, I'm just reminded that it is the power and character of God It's looking back at what God has done and recounting his mighty works. It helps me to have a heart of anticipation and expectation when we meet together. Um, And then there are times when uh, I need help, when I forget. Uh, There have definitely been hard seasons in our lives where maybe I felt like I couldn't see the Lord, I couldn't hear him, and... um, and I, and I didn't have maybe the awe that I once had or the wonder. It was just hard. It was just difficult. Like, what do you do when maybe you're in a season where you lose that awe of who God is and the wonder of what he's done? Well, especially in this lesson, like, God's just really taught me that I remind myself through the word of God, right? I go back to Isaiah 6, and I think about Isaiah's experience, and I remember who God is and who I am. I go back to Acts 2, right? And and I think about what God was doing in their midst and how they kept feeling a sense of awe and wonder of God's activity in their community. Or I look forward to Sunday morning. I do. I look forward to every Sunday morning that I, I get to be with you. And if there's anything I wanted to like share with you today, one of the main things was this. Um, I want you to realize like how much of an impact you guys have on me personally on a weekly basis. When you worship, when you sing, when you lift up praises to the Lord, which by the way, I kind of have the best seat in the house. I mean, I I get to see you. I get to watch you. You encourage me. You fill me up. That's why I love Ephesians chapter five so much because it says, encourage one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, right? Making music in your heart to the Lord. When we worship God, we're, we're, our posture is to Him, but one of the great miracles of corporate worship is that we encourage one another and we get to fill one another up. And that's what you do for me on a weekly basis. And part of that too is I'm encouraged because I know many of your stories. I know that many of you are walking through family struggles. I know that many of you are waiting to see if cells in your body are cancerous. I've watched and observed 
many of you journey faithfully through miscarriage or infertility and you've been faithful and you've come here in this room and you've lifted songs of worship and adoration and you've affirmed and remembered truths of God and you've magnified him even though what's going on in your life is just so hard. I can see that and it fills me up. It encourages me. And if it encourages me at any level, I cannot imagine how much it encourages the Lord and how much it ministers to him to see his kids walking through hard times and saying, yes, God is faithful. I raise a hallelujah, just like we sang just a minute ago. These times together are so precious. And so I wanna tell you, church, family, your worship matters. It matters to me, but I'm just a person, you know. More than anything, it matters to God. And it matters to us. Especially when we're able to cultivate a heart as a church, to stand in awe of who God is, stand in wonder what he's done and count them, literally count them. And then to walk week to week, day to day, in expectation and anticipation of what God can do in our lives. Amen. Thanks for listening. We pray this message encourages you on your journey with Jesus. If you found this message helpful, feel free to share it with others and leave us a review. To learn about City Bridge and how you can take your next faithful step with Jesus, check us out online at citybridgechurch.org. You can also follow us on social at citybridgecc. See you next time.